Atlanta's number one radio stations. Swanky 93.3 and The Heat 94.6. Radio stations has you covered. From our studios to our newsroom at KLP Entertainment. Listen on all major audio platforms like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audacity, Apple Podcast, Stitcher Podcast, Google Podcast, YouTube and more. He wanted to be known for doing his best. His best made him Major League Baseball's most valuable player. He played in six World Series and was elected to the Hall of Fame. Although an honest man, he was best at stealing holes. But the best quality of Jackie Robinson's life was his character. So here's to you, Mr. Robinson. Thanks for passing it on. From the Foundation for a Better Life at Values.com. KLP Aftermath with your host, Kennedy Lucas, brings out all the stops. Tune in to KLP Aftermath as we have stories, reviews, current events, and even our famous segment, Elephant in the Room. Inspired by the Breakfast Club's Donkey of the Day, KLP Aftermath with your host, Kennedy Lucas, streams on Atlanta's number one radio station. Swanky 93.3 and the Heat's 94.6. Radio stations. Listen on all major audio platforms like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audacity, Apple Podcast, Stitcher Podcast, Google Podcast, YouTube, and more. So I have such a great podcast to share with you today. Um, I have a wonderful guest, and right now we are home, you know, our kids are out of school, maybe you have those kids that came home um, from college, and so the house is a little bit different on dynamics. Well, I've got Bridget Joey here, and she is a licensed counselor, as well as a marriage and family therapist. Well, thank you for having me, I'm glad to be here. Well, let's talk. I mean, you're in the same. You've got kids um, that are um, around the same age as mine. I do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, school's out and everyone's home and the household is a definitely a different dynamic. It is. And as parents, we're not given, we're not given our, our uh, manual on how to parent. And so you have to learn how to kind of parent and adapt your parenting as your child goes through many developmental milestones right i don't know like early childhood to preteen to the teenage adolescent year <laughs> and then college and it can conti- we continue to develop until we die so i feel like yes i mean my mom will say yes i'm still parenting <laughs> they need a chapter book that we have to read and before we should have children oh we learn how to parent I know, and we're writing it. I'm not writing it. I'm sure there's a lot of people that have written stuff, so it has. But I mean, and of course, it's always different with each child too. I mean, each child you have to do different things with, and you know, you have to adopt different ways. I mean, I know in my household, I've got one is one way, or one is the other. <laughs> yeah, right. And there is some recommended consistencies on how to parent, right? That will support the differences in your child's temperament. Well, let's talk about. You know, kids, you know, they get to that adolescent age where they don't open up. And it's, you know, they walk in and you're like, 
How's your day? Fine. Uh, you know, did you see anyone? Yeah. I mean, it's... You can't get them to elaborate on to... Oh, I saw Billy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and we did this. It can be uncomfortable. What? Frustrating for the parent. Yeah, and maybe for the child, too. Right, yeah, I think that... Um, so there's three really, there, there's three aspects to that, there's multiple aspects to look at that as if you have a camera and kind of looking at how might the parent approach that, what is the child maybe going through, and then there's this space between them right, that is worth exploring and looking at as well. And so it's like what contributes to the behavior of your child, and then what's contributing to the concern and behavior of the parent. And so right, we can look at those if you want, we can talk yeah, about that, I would guess, because I think especially in our crazy, I don't even know what to say, world that we had, and, you know, I think parents are even more wanting to, you know, be more aware of what's going on with their children. And yeah. um, you see, all, every time we turn on the news, there's some kind of, you know, crazy um, news story. And, you know, I know every parent is thinking, oh gosh, you know, that could be, you know, what if that was my child, you know? You know, my situation. Um, and so I think the lines of communication between, you know, trying to keep those lines of communication are so important. Um, so I can talk about, you know, how to really set your family up for that success as they get older, or we can talk about the what do you do now that you did the best you could and here we are. Which would you do? Where do you want to start? Start with uh, how we can set the family up and then hang hey, kind of elaborated to. So early, um, attachment style is so critical for communication later in life and for just, for just relationships in general. And so, um, there's been some studies done by some of the attachment theorists in our profession, um, clinical psychologist, Dr. Daniel Brown from Harvard, um, brilliant man. And he, um, wrote a book called attachment disturbances in adults, but he also just studied attachment style and, um, he teaches us that by the time a child is 18 months old, the mapping for attachment style is laid down in the brain. Wow. By the time they are four, we can, they, the most the ones have, they're greater than me, can predict how a child will um, attach in their adult years. So attachment style, which includes communication, is really um, foundational. It's passed on generationally. So our primary caregivers will teach us those patterns of communication. Um, what's really cool about that though is um, it, we want to pay attention with how we're parenting. Um, and I just want to kind of let everyone know um, there has been some studies done uh, where 70% of the cues that our children give us are missed by parents. 70% wow. Yeah, so it's huge. So being attuned to your child early and attuned to yourself right. is important, but it's not so much how we miss. It's really about how we can repair and how we can do the best we can with what we're given, right? Right. Um, but they do give us some guidelines. You want your parent, you want your child to, one, be able to um, explore and feel safe to explore. Yeah. Right. And then you want your child to be able to come back and feel that they are going to be comforted when they come back. And then you're going to want to be a strong but kind parent. And I think those three aspects of being able to be kind and strong and find delight in your child, um, being able to 
allow your child to understand what it feels like to have freedom um, and, and explore, but then also security of being able to come back and know that when they come back to you, that you're able to greet them with comfort and love. And those three aspects from early, early childhood will follow them all the way into adolescent years. Wow, right? Wow, that's remarkable. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't think that, you know, the patterns were formed that early, very early, yeah. Wow. Poor attachments you have. But yeah, now they're not set in stone. You can't change them, you know. Right. Tell me the counts, honey. Self-exploration. Yes. You you can um you can change patterns of attachment. Wow. Like I said, I, I, I'm like, I hope I did some stuff. <laughs> well, and again, even though those are pretty steep, Sue Johnson, who is a well-known um, marriage and family therapist, uh, she created emotion-focused therapy. She she quotes that a lot. Um, I have also heard it through. Um, it's called the Circle of Security Parenting. Oh, okay, um, and it kind of gives a, um, a a a circle or a, a cycle of how to really just um, be a parent that supports that exploration, but then receiving the child with comfort and love and safety, but then also um, being a strong parent that's kind and while well, so kind, right? In, um, and then also, you know, so much of our parenting, we get triggered into regression. Yeah. Um, to where we start, you know, thinking it's maybe about us or our child triggers our own stuff. Maybe a sense of, I don't have control or something right at extent. Whereas sometimes it's learning how to let your child just explore and it's their journey in so, right, so many ways. So, um, so you're talking about the helicopter parent. <laughs> Bold. Yeah, you said it. Yeah, we, um, and really letting them explore. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I've always been the parent um, in our house that I told my kids from the very beginning, I'm not going to school. I've already done that. I've already been, so you are. So it's up to you. You want to make good grace and you you know what to either do. I'm not going to harp on you. Um, you know, you got to do this or you got to do that. Um, now, I was in my one's pretty. He's always like, I got it. I got it, mom. No worries. My youngest is overachiever. Like, he's probably the only one that actually goes in and checks, like, where he is. I'm wrecking stats at school. My oldest never did. He's just like, ah, bye. Good for you. So, you, it sounds like you were a steady, consistent support to your kids, but then you're also gave them a sense of you've got this you can do it right and so you've given them the permission to explore right and to experience some freedom but then also to come back to you with knowing that you would be safe secure supportive right um but then also a guiding you know kind right which sometimes we need to be because the, d the brain development of an adult is very different than the brain that's developing throughout the years of the single digits all the way right to teenage years and and let's not lose sight of the beautiful teenage years where people have, you know, and they they do, they roll their eyes and they go, the teenage years. But adolescence is such a beautiful um, time of development and innovation. And Dan Siegel wrote a great book called Brainstorm. I highly recommend that. Uh -huh. All parents to read. And for adolescents, I think he wrote it appropriate for adolescents as well. But adolescence is a developmental milestone um, it's not just the teenage years, it includes the teenage years, and it starts from age 12 and it goes to 25, 26 years old. And in that phase is this beautiful um, development of the brain where the brain is pruning itself and really um, 
those skills that they use, teenagers use, they will keep and they will strengthen. And they also have neurotransmitter fluctuations with dopamine. Um, a time uh, you had mentioned before we started filming about social media. Yeah, it is also a time where adolescents are, uh, you know, susceptible to addictive type behavior because of those dopamine uh, fluctuations. Um, but uh, just a great developmental milestone. And the brain is doing something different than what it's doing as an adult. As an adult, we're working from, you know, the frontal prefrontal cortex, whereas an adolescent's primary area is um, their limbic system. The motion centers of their brain is guiding uh, a lot of the kiddos at that time. Wow. And Ed? Going to the social media, I think that's been obviously a big thing. You know, we hear that. I mean, kids are on it. I mean, kids as young as, you know, single digits <laughs> are on it. And it, it's a different dynamics. I mean, yeah. Some, you know, every day I'm I'm like, thank goodness it wasn't there when I was growing up. Um, but I think it, there's a lot of challenges um, with it. Yeah. Um, I think you, and you've got, you know, my kids growing up were never a big social media, um, you know, person. I mean, they had accounts, but they never posted. I mean, I think my one, my oldest got locked out of his account until he was about a senior. Um, he, you know, he had an account, but he couldn't figure out his password. He couldn't get recent. He just, and he, it wasn't a big thing for him. Uh, my youngest is on it, but you know he'll look at stuff, and he's usually following his you know favorite chefs and stuff like that on it. But um, there are you know you have parents out there where their kids are on it, um, you know, to a um, very especially now with the summer is yet consistent you know on it. And how do you you? I mean, I say monitor, but how do you keep your kids, you know, um, you know, not obsessed with it? I think they say you could have a podcast just, just, <laughs> yeah. And if we did that, we'd probably need to bring in, you know, the counselors that focus mostly on that. I think there are pros and cons to social media. You know, the pros are it's this beautiful connection, right? And we do connect very quickly, right? Um, but I, I think the cons are that it does. Um, we are missing some of the other aspects of the human connection, which, you know, words, especially if we're dealing with texting, maybe not in the same regards to Snapchat. And let's, you know, Ron, you've been talking about, you know, the influences of, you know, all the other social media forms, but um, there, there is a connection aspect that's wonderful and quick. Um, and, but the other aspect that might be a little bit negative is that there could be an addictive part of that, which is the dopamine fluctuations of the brain and the immediacy. And, and some kids will, um, not some, I mean, all, for all of us, you know, 7% of our communication is words. Yeah. The other 93% is body language and tone right here. And so, you know, when you're texting, you're going to miss a tremendous amount of communication opportunities um, and for adolescents there is this that emotion I told you they're kind of functioning from that emotion aspect well that emotionality and being able to interact with other humans is really forming the frontal lobe and as Dan Siegel teaches us there so there's just a um, I think moderation yeah really the key in I think the larvae and I think for adolescents and parenting I, I think the important thing is to implement that earlier than uh, later. Like, don't try to all of a sudden, I mean, of course, um, 
intervention at any point is important, right? But if you you potentially waited too long if you decide to put limits on your senior with social media, right? You know, like consider implementing that sooner than later so that it's just understood as the culture of your family of, you know, when you need to put the phones down there so that you can have some alone time by yourself. Right. You know, a certain hour on, you know, that I'd love besides. Yeah, I hope that's I let no, I think that's very helpful because yeah, especially you know, parents up there that have youngers, you're starting, you know, the presidents now. So then it's just adopted. It's just how it is. It's the way it is um, versus then taking something away because then you're kind of contradicting um, about the lines of communication with them because then they're not wanting to come back and you're, you know, and, and you've kind of you you've tried to take away something that you've always had another way just part of yeah part of how it was yeah. so then you'll get run into some challenges with that as opposed to catching it early and then also as a parent limiting it yourself you know you're modeling that for your child as well oh yeah but their dopamine fluctuations as an adolescent will be different um i do want to go back to your earlier question though is like how do you handle that you know adolescent right who doesn't give you those full answers that yeah the parent would want and so we kind of touched on you know early attachment style when you're young right and when you're older it's kind of similar in that you just as a parent want to transition into recognizing that um your child is um so much of that foundation you've already set for that child in regards to communication with you so what first thing was made would, would be to maybe look at yourself as a parent and think to yourself who am i who am i being and who have i been and is my space safe and do i really allow them to speak right or do i anticipate um in an anxious way a response from them right so that's just kind of maybe a check-in within ourselves and then another thing would be if it really is a concern of the parent then to look at the child and realize you know all behavior is based out of an internal and an external experience so if you see a behavior in your child and you're like the he used to talk a lot now he's not talking much i'm kind of concerned he's not sharing with me you might as a parent want to chase the why the child will not necessarily know the why you might want to think of the why like for example this morning my son comes down and and, and uh, i was like good morning and you know not much from him that <laughs> how appropriate as like i'm gonna come to talk with you but he was tired running late not the right time yep um, independent, very independent minded. And so it's more of, do I need to check in and not be too anxious and wanting a desired response from him as opposed to meeting him where he is. So some of it's, you know, is it the right time? Right. right. And, and, and asking if it's the right time, if you need it, you're clearly tired, running out the door, running late. Is it the right time to be like, eh, right. And, and trying to get them to talk and have a whole like 30 minute conversation with they're like mom i gotta go <laughs> and then they get anxious you know and um, everything i know um that's one thing with my oldest you know he's home now so yeah i know on tuesdays he he's i'm like oh you know he's waking up and it's like 9 30 my youngest is rolling back um home he's like i've already had half my day <laughs> you're just getting up <laughs> and so 
you know, <laughs> so it's like a different, you know, just a different dynamics, but you know, they're all talking or my youngest, you know, if he's getting out the door, he don't want to talk in the morning, you know, he's got to get ready, eat and out the door. So he's somewhere by 7 a.m. Yeah. Now, if it's at the dinner table, it's a little bit different, you know, it just, it's kind of as if, if somebody were to go to you and say, Kimberly, how was your day? What right. food your day? Yeah. He might be like, oh, wow. You're like a whole world opens up in your head and your mind and you go, how, where do I start? Right. So that's some of it as well, as well as temperament, you know, of the child. So is it the right time? Take into account the temperament of the child. Is he internalizer or an externalizer? Um, and if it's a real concern, then chase the why in regards to, hmm, what has he been exposed to? Has things changed? Right. Um, and, and listen to your gut as a parent as well. Um, you know, really, there are interceptors around, I don't know, like, in your, your gut area and you have it's, it's parents' intuition. <laughs> Yay, feel something is not right. There probably is. <laughs>